up, guys? I am so glad that you are with us this morning as we are talking all about relationships. And man, what I don't know about you, but our worship team, they are amazing. I Yeah, that's exactly right. They do such a good job. So blessed every time I get to come in here and, and sing and just praise God. It really gets me in like the mood and fo- my heart focused to, to really hear from God and what he's going to have to say. So great job. So we're talking all about relationships. And we've been talking about relationships for the past four weeks or so. All right. So I've got to, I, I like to do this because I'm from Kids Church and I like engagement, right? Um, I like to kind of open up and ask for um, you guys' opinions on things. So we're going to do that real quick. Um, so raise your hand if someone has ever hurt your feelings. Good. Awesome. Now raise your hand if somebody has ever done something you didn't like. Um, raise your hand if somebody's ever offended you. Good. Um, what about worn something that offended you? Right? That's okay. You can say that. Yeah, I, I work with kids. They wear things that offend me all the time. I'm like, ah, no, I don't want to see that. Too much kid. Um, right? Or uh, what about if they lied to you? Or here's the thing. Raise your hand if anybody's ever annoyed you at any point. There you go. Yeah, I've got like two hands up right there. And some of you wish you could have like more hands to raise on to answer some of those questions, right? Well, so the simple fact is, is that um, we are all filled with relationships, and relationships can be messy, right? As long as we're working with other people, people are going to, they're going to offend us, they're going to hurt us, right? And, and the flip side of that is we're probably going to offend people too, right? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know everybody in here, if you're being honest, you've probably annoyed or hurt somebody before in the past. And if you don't remember, it's because it was when you were a kid, right? So that's just how it works. And so we've been talking about how to have these great relationships, and, and the thing to do in order to make the relationships that we have great. But today what we're going to be talking about is some things that kill relationships, okay? Paul, he's been walking through uh, with the church of Ephesus, um, all these things and all these ways to have great relationships. And so today we're going to be talking about the things that kill relationships. Uh, He actually goes through um, five things that um, if you are doing these things, they are creating um, some problems in your relationships. Um, in fact, so most um, social gurus, if you if you look on the internet or, or read books, they will refer to relationships or people that harm you as toxic relationships, right? Um, that's what they refer to them. It's like, oh, that, that person is toxic and or that relationship is toxic. So you got to cut that person out of your life or you, you got you to cut that relationship out. And so long before all those were written, though, Paul lined out some toxic behaviors that we need to be um, on the lookout for. And not because of like what other people are doing, but I think that he was writing to the church of Ephesus and asking them really to do a heart check to see, hey, listen, um, it's easy to point out the flaws in other people, right? Just like Charles talked about, and I think it was uh, the second week when he talked about um, argument, right? He talked about, hey, you know, we've got to get the plank out of our own eye before we remove the speck, right? And so today I want us to take a look at and see if any of these toxic behaviors exist inside of us. Because if they do, it can cause a problem. It doesn't matter how good you're doing. All these other things, if these exist and you're doing them, they can cause problems and they can undermine everything that you're trying to do in all the other relationships. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up with me to Ephesians 4, and we're going to be looking at verse 31. All right, Ephesians 4, verse 31. We're just going to look at, uh, this is the, the one verse we're going to look at today, and it's like chock full of stuff. 
All right. So um, Ephesians 4.31 says this. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Oof, that's some good stuff. So let's go ahead. I want us to, to pray. And I, some of you guys are like, oh, my gosh, how many times are we going to pray? Well, as many times as, as we need, right? But I love to pray and kind of re-get our hearts ready for uh, what, what God has for us and really just to help me out, calm me down. So let's do that real quick. Let's go ahead and, and take some time and talk to God. Hey, Father, just thank you so much again for the day that you've given us. Um, thank you for your word. And, and even though it's uncomfortable sometimes, thank you for um, the fact that you love us and you want us to, to learn and, and teach us. And Father, I just pray that today um, the words that are spoken are not my words, but they're, they're directly from you. And I pray that everybody would have open hearts and open minds to really soak in what you would have them learn. Um, and, and that it wouldn't be about, you know, uh, oh, I need to go share this with somebody else, but really you would, you would really help us to, to change our own hearts and our own lives. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so um, I love camping. That's one of the things that I love to do. My wife and I, we love camping, um, and, and that's something that we enjoy. Now, personally, it's not so much the sleeping in the tent part or on the hard ground or really the, like, the prepping for, the cleaning after, up after the camping part, but the, really when you're out in nature and you're under the stars, you're at the foot of the mountain, you can look up at all the, 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 the trees or you're by the water and you're listening to that still running water and there's nobody else around, or even if there's a loud, annoying neighbor, it's okay like because you've got you're like in that moment and you've got the trees and the stars and everything and like the animals I love it it's so refreshing right and 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 being out in nature but my favorite all-time favorite part my wife's favorite part too of camping is the campfire oh man I love a campfire so much it's it's so warm and it's and it's soothing even just looking at the flames right watching the pop and crackle like it doesn't matter what anything else is going on when you watch those flames and how they just kind of dance around ah it's it's mesmerizing it's wonderful right I even love the smell of like the smoke right ah man it's it's just manly and like refreshing I, I love the campfire right but as wonderful as campfires are and as wonderful as fire is we use it for like warm and cooking, it, fires can also be incredibly destructive. As of May 10th of this year, there, were, there have been 10,695 wildfires in America. As of May 10th of this year, right? And um, most experts say that 90% of wildfires are caused by human error. Okay, and so some wildfires are good, right? They use the cleans out, and it's nature's way of doing it. But a lot of these wildfires are caused by human error, and they can be incredibly destructive, right? And, and so just like fire can be warm and wonderful, but it can also be incredibly destructive, our relationships can be the same way. They can be really warm and wonderful, but they can also be very powerful and destructive Forces. And we're going to be talking about that today, right? We're going to be looking at the, the, the five symptoms of the toxic relationship. So when you're making a campfire, I, I really wanted to make an actual campfire here, but um, I figured the fire codes might kind of go off and then the sprinklers would happen and I didn't figure that would work. So I got a video of it instead. So when you're making a campfire, conditions have to be just right. You've got to gather wood and have kindling. You've got to get the areas around it to be um, nice and good. The, the wood has to be dry right? You've got to have oxygen. All those things 
have to be in place in order for a campfire to exist, right? And so in week one, Charles told us that our ability to relate to others is directly related to our ability to relate to God, right? So what that means is, is if our relationship with God isn't right, then our hearts and minds are in danger of sparking and catching on fire, right? So if our relationship with God isn't right, if we're not close to God, we're not pursuing Christ, then that means whenever um, something happens, like conflict occurs, then our hearts and our minds, we're going to have the right conditions for a spark to occur, and, and we're in a dangerous spot, okay? And so when, um, when conflict happens, because it will, right? Charles talked about that in week two. Conflict is going to happen. When that happens, it sparks bitterness. And the first sign that Paul lays out of a toxic um, relationship occurring is bitterness. And you see, bitterness is um, it's the same word that describes like poisonous plants and foods. And, and so what it is, is bitterness is actively hanging on to the hurts that people have caused you. That's bitterness. So we're all going to have conflict. We're all going to have things that, that come into our lives and, and people are going to hurt us and they're going to hurt our feelings, right? But if we don't let that go, right, if we're not pursuing Christ, what will happen is that we'll, we'll start to hang on to that. And we'll start to think about that. Oh, they said something and I really didn't like it. And, or, or they really hurt my feelings. And instead of, like, turning it over to God, if we're close to him, if we're far away, what we'll do is we'll start to hang on to that right? And, and that's when bitterness starts to occur. So um, if, if you haven't, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to um, Charles' talk on anger. He really delves into that and how to deal with that properly. But when anger isn't dealt with properly, it turns into this, um, it turns into bitterness, right? And it's really, it, it can be really dangerous. So um, when, when bitterness occurs, um, it, it, it starts to grow, right? So bitterness doesn't just stay the same. It, it isn't just this one-time occurrence that like, oh, like they, that they made me angry and then it goes away. No, bitterness like a fire, um, it gets bigger and bigger and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows until um, you've got this raging and roaring fire. And, and, and the bitterness, here's the problem with bitterness. It doesn't just affect you. It starts to affect every single relationship um, that you have. Because just like when you add a stick and it comes in contact with the fire, that stick will catch on fire. That's what happens. When we're bitterness, uh, when we're bitter, we start to do things and say things. And when we come in contact with other people, that bitterness will, will catch them and, and they'll start to experience this the same bitterness and hurt as well. And it can be very dangerous, right? And so um, that's, that's the danger of, of bitterness. But really, it leads into the next toxic behavior. So any pro marshmallow roaster will know this. So um, I love roasting marshmallows, right? The fire, it's great. Uh, or hot dogs, but marshmallows are the best because they get ooey and they get gooey. And they get really delicious. But any pro marshmallow roaster knows that it's not over the flames, right? That's not where you want to roast your marshmallow. Because if you try to roast a marshmallow over the flames that are above, all it'll do is it'll get your marshmallow charred. And it really won't cook it, right? So if you really want to make the perfect marshmallow, Right? What you got to do is you got to find the embers. Right? You got to find that really hot stuff um, at the bottom of the fire, and and that's where you need to roast the marshmallow because that's where it's really hot and smoldering, and that's where the heat occurs. Right? The embers are what keep the fire going. It, it's what provides the heat for everything else, and and that is a perfect illustration for. Um, 
for the word anger. So Paul says to get rid of bitterness and get rid of anger. And the reason he goes in that order is because bitterness, um, if, if left alone, it leads into anger. Right. And so um, long after long after the fire um, is is over, right, long after the flames go away, those embers are still there and they're still seething and they're still smoldering hot. And, and that is that's that's the perfect illustration for for anger. Right. Anger is is deep seated resentment that sees and smolders. It's long lasting. It's slow burning and it refuses to be pacified. Right. Um, I'll never forget when I was a young kid, um, I was just kind of hanging out in the house and all of a sudden I see my dad run out the back door and he grabs a shovel and he and he grabs a pail and he's just gone. And we're like, what happened? What? Because he didn't usually move that fast. And so we're like, what what is going on? And so we, we go out the back and we see our neighbor's back fence is just up in flames. Right. And we're like, oh, my gosh. And so my dad and my neighbor and a couple other guys, they worked. And once they put those flames out, we kind of got to the bottom of what happened. You see, my neighbor the night before, he had had a fire inside of his house in his fireplace and he had dumped the embers, what he thought were put out. He had dumped them in the alley behind his fence. And so sometime that morning, the wind had kind of stirred up those embers and it, it caused the whole thing to catch on fire. Right. Which which is leads us to our next toxic behavior, which is wrath. Um, it's translated, it's a sudden and violent outburst that is gone as fast as it appears. The Greeks use the image of a hay fire, okay? Something that like you light a haystack on fire and woof, it goes up in flames and then it's gone, right? So wrath um, is, is just this thing that's loud, it's violent, it's angry. And here's, here's what happens with wrath. Here's where it comes from. When when somebody does something to us that, that we don't like and we choose to hang on to it, it makes us bitter, right? We're like, oh, man, that he said something and I just I really don't like it. And that bitterness, if we don't put it out, that leads to anger, right? And so long after the offense happens, we have this, like, deep, um, like, this resentment that is built up inside of us. And it's just kind of boiling and it's there. And even though we don't maybe necessarily know it's there all the time, it's there and it exists. And it only takes something small for that for that those coals to just to flare up and and it just to blow up again in wrath right and so wrath it's it's loud it's angry and it's sudden and 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 so and it could be incredibly dangerous it could be harmful what 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 makes wrath um particularly harmful is is this um charles told us that that you know the more intimate the relationship, the more opportunity for offense, right? So that means that the closer, uh, the, the people that are closest to us, so our, our family, our wives, our children, our, our roommates, right? Those people that are closest to us, that means that there's going to be more opportunity in those relationships um, for conflict. And so the same thing is with wrath. So they're going to be the people that annoy you the most, right? And so we're probably going to be more likely to take out our wrath and anger on on those people. It can be incredibly destructive, 
right? Think about that. Think about if um, somebody, you had a really bad day at work, and, and, and you're angry, and, and you're just like, oh, man, I just need to get home. And then on your way home, you, uh, you, know, you run into traffic, and some, some jerks cut you off, and you're like, oh, man, I'm so angry right now. And then you walk in the door, and um, you know, you're, you're five minutes late or ten minutes late, and the kids are supposed to be ready for soccer practice, and they're not ready for soccer practice. And what do you do? What the heck? Why are you not ready? And then you just blow up, and you're angry wrath, right? The kids didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything to you, but they got the brunt of your wrath. Many, many irreparable things have been done because of wrath. It's violent. It's angry. It's dangerous. The, the next thing that, that, that Paul warns against is this word he says, clamor, right? And clamor, um, it can be, um, the, the way that it's used in this passage, it's like a loud, annoying, public, verbal outburst. Kind of like the baying of a donkey. Have you ever heard a donkey? They're really annoying, right? Or like a crow. That's what it, it's likened to. But um, in this passage, it's, it, it, the picture is uh, somebody that's completely lost control. I remember when I was in a big city one time, and I was, I was just kind of walking down the sidewalk, and all of a sudden, from like a block away, I heard this really loud yelling and shouting, and this guy was like, I mean, he was just, there's somebody was just raising a ruckus, and of course, instead of walking the other way, I was curious, so I walked towards the sound to see what was going on. Uh, and, and as I got closer, I saw this man, and he was, he was just like yelling and screaming and shouting. And so I thought, well, surely he's yelling at a person, right? Because, I mean, he was really getting into it. And so as I walk up, the, his face is red and he's just letting out a tirade of words that would make a sailor blush, right? Using him very creatively. And, and I was like, wow, what is going on? And I look and he's looking at the image of a man who at that time was running for president. And, and just the image of this person made him so angry that he had to stop what he was doing and just unleash on this poster, right? Which seems silly, but that's clamor. When, when, whenever that the deep-seated hatred and resentment is inside of you, if you don't put it out, if you let it smolder and fester, and you've had this anger that's inside of you, you never know when or what time it's going to flare up, and then you're just out of control, and you're unleashing on, a, on some innocent victim or thing, right? Like a poster. Um, and it's silly, but it's, it's really dangerous, because think of it if it was, you know, an actual person that he was unleashing it on, right? Like a barista said something wrong, and all of a sudden he's cursing or, or, or being rude to somebody that's just trying to serve him. Guys, anger, clamor, and wrath, they are, they are, they are, they stem from this deep-seated anger that's inside of you. That all goes back to bitterness. Now, earlier I mentioned wildfires, right? And I mentioned that they can be destructive and they can be dangerous. And so um, they, once they start, they are out of control. And they can, they can become out of control very quickly, right? It just doesn't take a lot. It can be like a cigarette butt. It can be like um, an, uh, an ember of a fire that could, that's gotten put out. I've seen uh, fires uh, happen from like somebody who's doing a burnout competition and the rubber got so hot and, and sparked and, and all of a sudden stuff was on fire, right? It doesn't take a long time for a wildfire to, a, to happen. And, and I, it, as I was preparing this message, it made me think of um, uh, something that was 
affected me very deeply. So there was uh, my best friend growing up. We were, uh, we were born like just not too long apart and grew up in the same town. Um, he went off to college and um, he loved God so much. And he was passionate about youth and reaching youth for Jesus. And so um, after he got done with college, he was volunteering at his local youth group, right, and doing great things. And, and um, he loved kids so much, he decided he was going to get a job in the school district so that he can not only see these kids and build a relationship with them at church, but also in the schools. And so he was building some great relationships and doing some great things. Well, one day after youth group, he thought, and this was in a super, super small town, okay, so I need to preface that. So um, one day after youth, he decided, well, hey, I'm going to invite some of these kids over to my house, these youth kids, and we're going to watch a movie. He got permission from their parents, and so it was all good. They came over to his house, and they started watching a movie. Well, um, halfway through the movie, he gets a knock on the door. And he answers it, and it's the head pastor of the church. He's kind of confused. He's like, hey, what's up? And the head pastor is like, hey, what you're doing here is in violation of our church bylaws, and this is not okay, and this needs to stop. And he's like, all right. So, you know, all the kids left. And the next day, um, he was asked to come into the church, and so he was sat down, and he was told that um, he was no longer allowed to help out with the youth group, and he was no longer invited to any church events that were going to have youth or children present. And so he was like, okay. And this went on for several months where he was banned from doing these uh, church activities. But he was still had his job at the school district. Well, um, a few months went by and all of a sudden he showed up to his job. And his boss at the district office uh, said, hey, bud, um, I've got a police officer here. And somebody is referring filed a report against you, and so we're going to have to put you on administrative leave. And so in a moment, my friend not only lost the opportunity to, to pour into these relationships with all these kids, but he also lost his job. And they ended up making him um, do this leave of absence for uh, a month or so. They made him go and take a test to see if he was um, to see if he was exhibited the signs for being a pedophile and made him pay for it. And it was just a really awful thing. They ended up running him out of town. And to this day, he still hasn't had any closure on that incident. Now, he's doing fine right now. He's, he's married. He's got a kid. He's, he's doing wonderful. He's been able to move on. But, but one little thing, one little um, spark that, that, that ruined this guy's life. And it didn't take much. And all of a sudden, it was out of control. Now, the next, the next toxic behavior that Paul talks about is slander. Uh, slander is also translated, it comes from the same word as blaspheme. And blaspheme literally means to speak harm, which is what happened to my friend, right? That, that person, those people were speaking harm to him. Now, there are two different types of slander that, that occur, okay? There's active slander, and then there is passive slander. Active slander is really easy to identify because it's loud, and it, it looks a lot like clamor, right? So think of, like, you know, somebody just, you know, um, speaking um, all these evil and, and, um, and really unkind things to somebody. That is, that, is that is slander that is active. You know, it's easy to identify. It's loud. But passive slander is a lot harder to identify because passive slander happens behind closed doors when not a lot of people are around. Passive slander is gossip. Gossip is habitually spreading intimate or private rumors or facts. 
right? Um, Psychology Today, um, it says that in its rawest form, gossip is a strategy used by individuals to further their own reputations and interests at the expense of others. Gossipers, they don't care whether or not a person is hurt or whether what they're saying is true or not. They just want to be heard. So what happened to my friend, um, there was a nasty rumor that got spread, and it led to, um, it just got out of control, and he was run out of town, right? That's, that's what can happen when gossip is allowed to spread. That's slander. And Paul is saying it's toxic, and you got to get rid of it. And, and it, the best way I can describe it is like a wildfire. It just takes a little something, and then whew, it's out of control. Because once you tell somebody something, you don't have any control over who they share it with or what they perceive it as, and it, it's, it's gone, right? Once you say a word, you cannot take it back. Bitterness. Um, the last word that, that Paul uses is malice. And malice is, um, it's, it means two things. It can mean somebody who is, it, it can be a catch-all for all unkind behaviors, but it can also be translated as somebody who enjoys doing evil things. Right? That's malice. So he's saying, look, Bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, slander, get rid of all of them. Because one of them, they lead to another, and, and they, all of it is malice, and it needs to be dealt with and gotten rid of. Because if it exists, it, can, it, just, it creates toxic environments and toxic behavior, and it will ruin all relationships. Proverbs 18.21 sums it up very nicely. Um, it says this. Um, and I'm, this is the message that I'm using because it just sounds, it, it's, it was perfect. So Proverbs 18.21 says this, Words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Right? They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. So what's the cure, right? You're like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is, is awful. Like, what, what do I do? Hebrews 10, um, another book that Paul, or another letter that Paul wrote, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day draw near. So what's the cure? Speak life. That's the cure, right? When we interact with somebody, we have two choices. We can build them up or we can tear them down. And the hardest thing in the world to do is to build somebody up when all we're feeling is pain, especially if they're the one, if they've caused us pain in the past. The hardest thing to do is to cause, is to speak life into them. But like Charles said um, before, my ability to relate to others is directly uh, related to my ability to relate to God. Here's the deal. When, whenever bitterness occurs, if we are close to God, whenever bitterness occurs, if somebody hurts us or somebody does something to us that we don't like, if we're close to God and we're pursuing God, it's very easy if we're like, if we're like this to just hand that over to God, right? We're just like, whoop. Hey, here you go, Jesus. They hurt me, and I don't like it. Here you go. I lay that down. And, and then we can begin to see that, that event, that thing, that person through the lo- eyes of Christ, 
right? When we're pursuing Christ, he starts to change our mind and change our focus to where we see others and we see events and we see things that happen to us, not as the world sees it and not as our emotions um, make us perceive it, but we start to see things as Christ sees it. That's what it means to pursue Christ and how he changes us. That's why it's so important for us to be pursuing Christ, right? And so if we're pursuing Christ and our relationship with him is good, then that means it's a lot easier to turn things over to God and it's a lot harder for those bitter that root of bitterness to take hold but if we're far away from God if all we do is is read our Bibles and open them up on Sunday morning and we just go to church or or we, we don't really think about God very often if we're far away from him if our hearts are far away from him then when when pain comes along when, when people hurt us when people do things that we don't like Man, it's going to be a whole lot harder to see them as Christ sees them. What we're going to do is we're, we're going to see them um, as, as our hurt wants us to see them, right? That bitterness will start to take root, and it'll start to cloud our vision, and, and we'll start to hold on to it. Instead of letting it go, we'll hold on to it, and that'll, that'll turn into this anger that's deep and, and, and that we don't even know exists sometimes. And every time we, we see them or think of them or see a picture of them, it'll cause us to just get this awful um, feeling in the pit of our stomach that we don't know why it's there. And, and we won't want to have anything to do with them. We'll, we'll want to ignore them. We'll want to cut them out of our lives and, instead of seeing them the way that Christ sees them. And then, and then if that anger and bitterness is allowed to fester and smolder, then, then we'll start doing things like taking our wrath out on other people. We'll start to be unkind in our relationships, right? And, and it, it's all could be dealt with as if, if we were close to Christ and if we just let it go right? Any wildfire, any fire can be smothered and put out and contained. And any act of bit, any bitterness, anything wrong that has occurred to you, it can be contained. It can be healed, right? And next week, we're going to talk about how to begin to heal some of those hurts and things that have occurred to us, right? Because it's not an instant thing, right? It's not something that just, oh, I surrendered to God, and now I'm not going to feel bad anymore. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not how it works. But it can happen. And next week, we're going to talk about how to begin to that healing process, right? But, but for right now, what we need to do is search our, our hearts and see, am I bitter about anything? Where in my life is there something that I'm just holding on to that makes me angry, that just makes me just seethe and just get so mad I can't stand it? We all have that stuff. It doesn't matter who you are. I have things like that that make me angry, even to this day, which is why this message was so, like, you know, important to me. Because I'm like, man, are there are things that to this day still make me angry. The, the first ticket I ever got that as I was driving that wasn't my fault, that makes me angry. And my wife will tell you that every time I have an opportunity to speak evil against a, um, uh, a, a cop who gives a ticket to somebody, like, I will do that because I'm like, oh, it's not okay. And long ago I was wronged by this one guy, and so they're all bad, right? It's, I need to get rid of that because that's not okay, right? My, uh, my brother-in-law is now a police officer, and so I need to learn how to let go of that, right? very important, right? Because he could take me out like that if he wanted to. So, but that's what I'm saying. If you don't let that go, it affects every relationship that you have. And so today, what I want to encourage you with, what I want to leave you with is to speak life. Find out where you're, you're hurting, where you're bitter. Surrender it to God. I'll allow his words to begin to speak life into you, and you in turn speak life into others. Let's pray.
God, thank you so much for your word, and thank you that you have given us things that, that we can use to make our relationships better. And even though the things we talked about today aren't like good and, and nice and pretty things, Father, thank you for pointing them out so that we can learn how to get rid of them and that we can identify them and just get them, cut them out of our lives so that our relationships can learn to be, to be the best that they can be. Father, we love you so much, and I pray that, um, that as everybody is sitting here, that they will start to identify those toxic behaviors. And instead of breathing out toxicity, that they will breathe out life. Amen.